Hey guys, welcome back to the Can I Eat This podcast or... <laughs> well, it's called Can I Eat This, but it is the podcast. I'm your host, Heather Horton, and uh, we got a pretty cool episode today. First, I want to say this is the final episode of season one. You guys were wrapping it up. This is episode 10, I believe, of our first season, and I'm looking to get back to it in the fall. So thank you so much for, for being on the journey. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for subscribing. Um, please comment and send me messages. I want to hear from you. So I, I, I really do appreciate you. Thank you so much. And I also realized this is the first interview with a guy. We got a dude today. Uh, I, I mean, I've I realized I've only been interviewing women, but there's, you know, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, we got to hear from the dude, so we're we're ending this season with um, with a with a buddy of mine, Jimmy Lee, who is the host of the Inner Fire podcast, which is awesome. So if you get a chance, check that out later. Okay, um, Jimmy Lee, uh, really cool thing about him, he actually acquired some skills early in life that really helped him a little bit later. He actually learned how to cook which is really nice, but he actually dealt with childhood obesity. So as he said, he self-described he was the fat kid, quote-unquote. Um, so he actually uh, he had to overcome that once, and then later in adulthood, he had to overcome it again. So he was able to kind of reach back and, and you know bring out the, the culinary skills that he had and really kind of get back on track, you guys. And that's what this this podcast is all about. Let's hear your story. And I want to hear your story. Like I said, reach out. Let me know what you've got going on um, before I go on break. And and um, But I'm, I'm so happy to have met Jimmy Lee. And I could, like I said, I can now say he's a friend. And uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Jimmy Lee. We're here with Jimmy Lee, and uh, oh my God, I'm so I'm I'm super pumped because um, Jimmy is the first guy that I've had on this season so far, and I just realized that I was telling you that before we got started. I just realized you're the first guy that I've had on this season, and I've got a couple of other interviews lined up. But how does that feel, uh, being the first dude? Uh, you know, I love the company of wonderful women, and I'm so honored to be included in this list. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm in touch with my feminine side, so it it works out well. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> I always like a guy who's in touch with their feminine side. That that makes me uh, that warms my heart. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. Um, so as you know. Uh, we well, actually, Jimmy and I have just be- become. We've gotten to know each other through social media, which is awesome. The power of social media. But uh, Jimmy, we're, what I was telling Jimmy before is every episode is someone's story and and what they've gone through with their personal journey and how food kind of made an impact on their story or or really came into play with their story. So let's Jimmy, let's talk about you. What what went down? Yeah. So when my journeys with food kind of begin early because I learned I started to learn to cook when I was 10, you know, at grandma's house and things like that. And then I would go to work with my parents and they at one time they worked in a restaurant. It was the 
uh, the clubhouse at our local golf course, the 19th hole as, as they called it. And they had a chef that came there sometimes for like big parties. And he kind of liked me. I would, you know, sweep up and do dishes and things like that for a little bit of walking around money that, that whole thing. A lot of people my age did when they were young, learning that those kind of job skills and the chef there he kind of liked me, so he took me under his wing a little bit and taught me the basics of food prep, how to hold a knife, and that kind of thing. So that really set my journey with food pretty early, learning that stuff at a young age. And I was the fat kid in middle school, you know, and in, in the 80s and 90s, I see people talk about this a lot on, especially on Twitter, but all across social media where they're like, I grew up in the 80s and 90s and there was only one or two fat kids in my class. Well, I was one of those fat kids and you skinny bastards tortured me mercilessly <laughs> for years through middle school. But you know, you know how kids are. It's just just one of those things of growing up. And in high school, I started to grow up a little bit, lost the weight, beat childhood obesity. I got really inspired by a guy named Jack LaLanne. He changed a lot of lives. I, I remember seeing him on TV when I was probably like 12 or 13 doing one arm push ups in his 80s. And I thought, I want to be like that guy when I'm older. So I got into exercise. I tried to learn about healthy eating as, as much as I could as a kid, but ended up beating childhood obesity, enjoyed, oh, at least a decade or more of really nice physical fitness. I was doing martial arts. I was weightlifting. I was swimming. I was cycling. I was doing all kinds of stuff. And then when I was in my mid-20s, I had a job change. I was actually working in restaurants, and I worked in restaurants for a long time. So I got to a pretty high level of cooking skill, and I knew a lot about food, and I knew how to exercise, but I didn't really know much about like hormones or food's impact on the body, like what's healthy. I, I can make it taste good, but as far as nutrition, I didn't know much. And so I always looked at food from a culinary perspective. Let me make it taste good. Let me make it look good, that kind of thing. And then when I was in my mid-20s and I had this job change, I started working with some chemicals and <laughs> I didn't have the proper training. So some of that stuff would soak into my skin. It would be in a mist maybe when I was working. It would get into my lungs and things like that. And through the absorption of these chemicals, we've heard a lot about this in the recent years and that's helped me understand what kind of happened my endocrine system got disrupted. My hormones got out of whack. I started gaining weight like crazy. I didn't know what the heck was going on. So that happened back in like 2008 to 2010. I got really obese. I mean, I put on like 80 pounds from my starting body weight and Jeez. I was probably... I guess I was maybe five pounds overweight at the time. Yeah, where everybody has a little bit of something unless you're yeah. really like uh, uh, if that's your job is to be at a low body fat percentage. But, right. 
you know, most of us are somewhat overweight, but I put on 80 freaking pounds with really no change to diet and exercise. And that was crazy to me. And of course, you know, going to doctors and trying to figure out what was going on, it wasn't really put together that it was, oh, you're working with this chemical substance and it this is another like monkey wrench in the gears here. So <laughs> that took so long and I didn't know what to do. I was 80 pounds overweight, ended up leaving that job. Obviously, I got to where I couldn't really, I mean, I was disabled. I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs anymore, barely. Like I couldn't vacuum because my breathing was so bad. And so I thought, what can I do? Let me go back to cooking. Let me go back to food and try to look into this food as a medicine because all the medicines that the doctors were giving me were just making me sicker. And so, of course, like a lot of people, this was about 2010 when I tried to go back to cooking and try to fix my body. So we're recording this in the beginning of 2009. It, the, the, it's just about the first couple of days of spring here. So this has been a, like a nine-year journey, and <laughs> it's been pretty crazy. It's, now, I'm not sure where you want me to go from here, so <laughs> I, I could go a lot of different ways with this, but where would you like me to focus on? Well, the, I will say this first. That's a lot to unpack. First, uh, mm -hmm. shout out to Jack Mullane because yes, what a beast that guy was. Right. Um, and secondly, yeah, the, oh man, Jimmy, there's so much to unpack there. Um, yeah, I, I, the, all the stuff that everybody is, is different. Every, first off, I, I say this a lot. Everybody is, is not everybody, but everybody is different. And then to have the other outside factors play into it, not just exactly what you said, you hadn't changed anything with your diet and exercise and that outside factor. And, uh, quick question. Did you hear about, um, I'm in Southern California. Um, did you hear, I always like to ask people, see how far it kind of stretches and how the news travels, but uh, if it made national news, did you hear about the gas leak that we had out here? It was like, um, God, a year or two or two years ago, it was, uh, they had to move people out of this little, um, city. Basically they had to basically pay to put people up. I had a guy, a friend that lived in the, in the, um, city and he basically, they paid for him to have a hotel like away from the city because the, there was this huge gas leak and it was affecting people. People were having headaches, all kinds of changes were happening with their bodies and nobody knew like right away. Of course, they were just, just kind of going along life. And then basically this leak happened and they are, they started having all of these symptoms. It's really, it's amazing to me how all of the, uh, the, the outside factors can really affect us. And we don't always think that it does. We all, we don't always look at that and doctors don't always look at that necessarily. Um, so that's, uh, it's, it's, it's good that you did that. And I also just want to commend you for kind of getting on top of the childhood obesity thing, because a lot of kids, they come along and if they are, like you say, the fat kid, I hate saying that, that phrase, but it, they, uh, they don't always know what to do. And you took, you took the bull by the horns and you said, I got to figure this out. And you it sounds like you did a lot of research and like how to exercise. I don't know if you use trainers or anything like that. 
but you did a lot of, it sounds like you did a lot of self-educating. Is that what it was on your end? Yeah. I mean, when I was a kid, it was just like I was sick of getting pushed around on the schoolyard. I was sick of having to get in fist fights every day. I was sick of people making fun of me at every interaction, you know, and it was like yeah. frustrating because as a kid, you don't know. You just, you don't, you don't you understand. Don't. And you're in like a, you're in like those PE classes and, and shout out to the PE teachers. I don't want to, you know, I love the PE teachers. I've, I worked recently with a special needs PE teacher. He was awesome. Um, you know, they do the basic stuff and a lot of times they have a, a curriculum they have to go by, but yeah, hardcore exercise. Like I grew up playing sports, but I wouldn't have known exercise if I hadn't done that. You know what I mean? Like I would have been just like everybody else trying to figure it out myself. And so high five to you, man, you, you, you went after it. Oh yeah. Thank you. Uh, it was definitely a lot of work. And I, I remember when I got fat again as an adult and I was just like, oh my God, it's the same thing like all over again. Cause you know, <laughs> I mean, it was literally the same experience. You go to work and people are like, oh, you know, you're letting yourself go. You're lazy, like, all this stuff. And I was like, I'm the fat kid in middle school again. It was yeah. like the same thing. And, um, you know, when I was a kid, it was like, I saw Jack LaLanne doing those one arm push ups, and I was like a 12 year old <laughs> overweight kid. And I, I realized I couldn't, I tried to see how many push ups I could do. I couldn't even do one. I couldn't get myself off the floor. Yeah. But that same kid who put in a lot of work was then a 26, 27 year old adult knocking out 75 push ups in one set, you know, so you can yeah. go like you can take yourself far if you have the drive. But then when I got fat again, I remembered how much work it was. And when I was younger and that drive that I had and I thought, I, I don't know if I could do this again. Yeah. But here I am. I, taking off 50 of that 80 pounds, holding it off. And right. it's taken years. And I'm, it's, it's so weird to me being a person who's 30 pounds overweight. Like, honestly, I'm probably 30 to 40 pounds overweight. Yet people ask me about weight loss. And I'm like, why are you asking me? I don't look the part. I don't have even close to a six pack abs or anything. And then I remember, right. I was 80 pounds overweight. I've kept a 50 pound weight loss and there are people out there pushing 300 over 300 pounds that just want to get down to 250. So right. even my experience can help somebody, even though I'm not a top, you know, athlete or model or something like that. Yeah, no, it's, it, it's, um, it's inspirational to those people and that's, that's, that's what they need. They need something to kind of, um, kind of set their their inner fire basically to, uh, yeah. you guys, Jimmy's a, uh, he's a podcaster as well. Uh, inside, uh, scoop there. He's a podcaster and it's, uh, the, uh, inner fire pocket. We'll, we'll talk about that later. I'm, I, I'm just, uh, it's, uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. You give Thank them that, you yeah. give them that inner fire, so to speak. Um, yeah. Do you remember when, uh, Jim Carrey, did you watch in living color when you were young? Oh yeah. Oh my yes, God. I did. Do you remember Jim Carrey doing the Jack LaLanne? Uh, he would do the Jack <laughs> yeah. LaLanne bits. <laughs> I just thought of that when you were talking about the, the one arm pushups. What um, a piece of culture he became too. What a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Um, <laughs> I just remember that how they portrayed his eyebrows, which were fantastic. Uh, yeah. So you're, so you, 
what I love also is that, and I think also this comes down to you learning um, when you were younger, the cooking. I think that's so important. It's, it's, to me, there are skills that really we should try to, you know, hopefully if you're a parent or if you're an, a cool aunt or uncle like I am, uh, you try to maybe pass those things along to the kids when they're younger. I think that was so helpful or beneficial for you to learn cooking, really good cooking skills when you were young. So when you got to be an adult and you were working in restaurants, you, you kind of, I mean, you built on that, you built upon it, you know, working in the restaurants, but it made things, I think, probably a lot easier for you when you needed to kind of make some changes. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Because when I started kind of blogging about this like food and weight loss thing, I just sort of took it for granted that I had certain knowledge, you know, like I know what a grain is. Like if you don't know what a grain is, it's kind of hard to evaluate whether you should or shouldn't eat them because you're just sort of eating and you don't kind of know how to break it all down. And actually, you know, it's crazy. We have these macronutrients and I've always, of course, heard about that with food. And I got a little bit of food education. Uh, I did spend a year in culinary school after that job change. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I went back to school like a lot of people do when they kind of get lost. They're like, well, let me try to figure out my life. I'll go back to school. I decided to spend a little time in culinary school because it's something I had always wanted to do. But it was so funny. I, I spent a year in culinary school and realized I had had so much experience in real life actually doing that. And because I had applied myself and paid attention to the chef and, and learned, I wasn't learning anything. So I dropped out of the program. <laughs> but You could have taught um, the program probably. I, I could have taught some of the courses, yeah. But one, <laughs> one cool thing that I went through there was a nutrition class. There was like 11 weeks of nutrition. Uh, and, and that was kind of enlightening, but I realized that probably we don't know as much as we think we know from some of the stuff that was in the book and some of my own experiences and things like that. For example, the low salt recommendations. Well, when I got fat again, when I became obese after working with those chemicals, Going by the standard recommendations, like, oh, well, your blood pressure is up. Well, you know, no shit. I have all this extra weight I'm carrying around. So go on a low-salt diet. Drink more water. Well, <laughs> what happened was I became sodium deficient from that, and my blood pressure got worse. And when I started eating salt again, it went back down. And then now that I've adjusted my diet to primarily uh, an NSNG, no sugars, no grains lifestyle, mm -hmm. I don't need any blood pressure medication or nothing. So I would read in the nutrition book, don't eat salt. Salt is bad. Salt gives you high blood pressure. When I knew from my own experience that eating salt lowered my blood pressure because I was sodium deficient. So there's a lot of context that we don't get with a lot of the generalized rules. Um, so, so that was interesting. But the formal cooking training, going back to the original point of the question, it, it definitely helps because 
just knowing what foods are, what is a fruit? What is a vegetable? There's a lot of fruits we treat as vegetables. And just kind of having that knowledge already helped me a lot when I was trying to figure out what foods are good, what foods are bad, how do these foods affect me? So absolutely, um, you know, folks, if you don't know how to cook, that's the most important part. It's not a recipe. It's about how to cook. And that's why my next project is going to be a series of cooking videos that go over the basic cooking principles because I hope that this knowledge and information can help other people out there. So I got to put it out there and that's going to be my next project. So I to think really that's answer, great. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, thank you. Yeah, so much. I, I mean, to really answer your question, yes, I, I think it made such a difference that I want to share that information with as many people as I can. Because I'll be honest, I, I with my issue, um, my my first barrier, I'll say, was, oh my God, I, I'm not a great cook. How am I going to do this? Do you know what I mean? And it was one mm-hmm. of those things where I grew up very active. So, you know, my mom was a, she was a good cook, but I wasn't in the kitchen a lot with her. I was outside running around, you know, playing with the dudes or whatever. Just, um, you know, just, I was a big tomboy. So I would, you know, when I w- went off on my own, I got the recipes from my mom because I knew what I liked to eat at home. And I would just cook those recipes and I had my little note cards, but I wasn't, I didn't have the basic skills. I didn't know, you know, uh, certain things. And I just was so busy with work life that I didn't take the time to do the research that you can do on the internet. Now, when this, you know, with my issue happened back in 2014, uh, that was my first barrier. It was like, oh God, what am I going to do? So I think that doing some videos, I mean, coming from, you know, anybody that does some great videos of, like you said, basic knife skills. I mean, God, I think Gordon Ramsay did a basic knife skills thing. I was like, that's so helpful for like people like me because I don't know. And I think that's really sometimes for a lot of people, just uh, what's stopping them in their tracks from just, it's it's fear. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And even something as simple as boiling water, like you've, we've all heard at least one person say, I'll burn water. Like, I don't know how to cook at all. And, you know, it sounds so funny, but a skill as basic as boiling water, if you know what is a simmer, what is a full rolling boil, yes. once you know, once you know those two things, then it's like, okay, how do I poach? How do I steam? How do I make hard-boiled eggs? Yes. How do I make soft-boiled eggs? And it all comes from just basically knowing how to boil water. And it, it's such a weird thing where it's like, yep, I'm going to make a video teaching people how to boil water. And everybody laughs. And I'm like, oh, wait till I can have the time to do it. You're going to see. <laughs> you know what? You're going to, but you know what? People laugh. Well, those people laugh, but they're going to be like, I, I guarantee you there's going to be a crap ton of people out there that are going to find it very informative and useful, including myself. Exactly. I mean, you know, even, um, Something is like we were talking about salt. Hey, putting a little salt in the boiling water. Do you do that? I mean, like there's so many things you can toast. I mean, how do you not go crazy with toast? I don't know. I think it's a great idea. Um, I let me know when you um, let me know when you get going on those because I'm gonna be <laughs> I'll be your first subscriber. Um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so you can be a guest. Too. I would love that. Oh. I would love it. Let's do it. Um, so what is what are you doing currently? You, you've got the no sugar, no grains. What do you like to 
what are your go-tos as far as your your meals these days in as far as um your breakfast and your lunch and your dinners and your snacks what do you like to go to yeah so breakfast has never really worked for me like i've just never much cared for eating breakfast so i usually skip breakfast when I do feel, I always have coffee though, and I, I like half and half cream, whole milk, one of those things. I'm not super concerned about which of those dairy products it is, but I like to have that. And that, I think, is probably why I tend not to eat breakfast because the, you know, a whole, a glass of whole milk is pretty filling, you know, and when there's some coffee mixed in, you get a little energy or whatever. But, if I do get hungry in the morning, I tend to eat uh, something like eggs or perhaps yogurt or cottage cheese, just something light. I've, I don't really care for heavier meals earlier in the day. Um, lunch, I almost never eat lunch unless um, maybe I you know, had a light dinner and skipped breakfast. I, I usually have more like a snack than lunch. Yeah. And that might might be, um, I don't know, like piece of beef jerky. Cottage cheese is a nice go-to just because it's quick mm -hmm. and it's easy. Anything in the daytime that's quick and easy. A salad that I can pick up from somewhere, that's usually pretty refreshing. I tend to like... Uh, not quite as light as breakfast, but a little more vegetables and lunch because that has a good water content. Often I forget to drink enough water. And so if I make sure to have like a nice salad for lunch, it, it tends to help keep me hydrated. And then for dinners, uh, basically meat and vegetables. And by meat, I mean it could be red meat, it could be fish or seafood, chicken, something like that. I pretty much, I personally avoid pork products for the most part. I know a lot of my fellow low-carbers love their bacon and ham and, and pork because it, it is more affordable. But Pork has never worked for me either, messes up my stomach, don't feel good on it, so I, I tend to avoid it. The exceptions to that are ham and bacon because they're cured. There's mm -hmm. like a pre-digestion. Um, but essentially, I try to eat basically one or two meals a day, not because I'm intentionally fasting, but just because that's when I'm hungry. So yeah. I let hunger be my guide. I eat till I'm full, I stop when I'm done, and, you know, it's the same old tired rules that you hear, it's just that I've kind of figured out foods that tend to, you know, I, I guess I would say keep me healthy in that um, my, my health markers are good, my blood pressure is good, I don't have asthma attacks, I, you know, I'm not in a lot of pain from inflammation, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah. uh, essentially it revolves around meat, eggs, vegetables, a little bit of dairy, and some fruit. Great. And that's, and that's um, I like to hear those things. I like to hear what's working for you and your body, which is, which is great. And it's uh, how well do you... How well do you, uh, when you're eating, you say you eat uh, when you're hungry, which a, a lot of people say to do that, kind of let hunger be your guide. When, um, when you are eating, how, uh, 
good are you at eating kind of at a, a nice, you know, slow pace in the sense where you're not cramming food in your face and uh, <laughs> overeating too much before you feel I, satiated? Uh, well, Just curious. As far as eating slow, I don't do that. I'm like a ravenous, <laughs> uh, starved. Uh, I, I'm like a, a raccoon at a dumpster. I'm okay. just just all over it. Uh, but you know, I because I've paid attention for so long to the foods I eat, and I used to over like there were times when I have overeaten because I I eat that way. Like I just just pile it in. Yeah, but um. Part of that is, you know, I, I don't usually have a lot of time for meals. You know, I got little kids. They're always yeah. needing something. So it's like I want to I want to take those bites when I can <laughs> and then just yep. get it done with. But because I paid attention to the type of foods I eat, the amount of foods I eat for so long, now I kind of know how much to put on my plate. And then, yes, I do eat quickly, but – it's the right amount of food because I'm, I know my body and I'm aware of what, uh, like basically I know what's good for me now. Yeah. Kind of thing. And it sounds like you have better self-control than me. I, I, I tend to also put the correct amount of what I, what I'm supposed to have on the, on the plate. But if I eat it too quickly and if I, I sometimes have that problem with, Oh God, I want something else. You want and more. Then, yes, right. yes, yes. Cause I've just scarfed it down. Um, yeah, I was just curious. Uh, how no, you... I, I I do want to mention though too is that I'm not a zealot about low carb or NSNG, and I mean I I disagree with a lot of people in the low carb space. Um, I don't eat this way because I think sugar or carbohydrates are inherently bad. Uh, and I've done some experiments on myself. Like I tried the carnivore thing uh, for 30 days in January of 2018. I In 2018, I took a little bit of time, a few months out of that year to experiment with my diet because I found this NSNG thing in October 2015. I'm like, oh, it feels good. But like I keep seeing people try to put up the carbohydrate insulin hypothesis as this new standard. But when held under scrutiny, eh, there's some holes poked in there. It's, it's not the one answer like a lot of people think it is. And I thought, well, let me see what happens if I play around with this. And um, – I found a guy named Lane Norton. Big shout out to Lane. A lot of the low carbers dislike that guy, but if you actually listen to what he's saying, he's just telling you the scientific information of how fat gain and, and fat loss and all that works. So you can apply a low carb eating strategy to what he says, mm -hmm. you know. And so a lot of people misconstrue what he says and takes it out of context, but. The point being, I listened to this guy and I thought, hmm, what'll happen if I follow what he says, if I equate calories and protein and I raise my carbohydrates back up and lower my fat intake, the low carb uh, idea, the carbohydrate insulin hypothesis would say that, well, you're going to gain weight. Well, I did that for eight weeks and I didn't gain a pound. I didn't gain anything on my waist. I, I stayed the same and I was eating two, 300 grams of carbs a day. 
So there were no changes in weight loss. But when I checked my blood pressure, you know, it started going up and my blood pressure went up like 20 points on each end, which is a lot. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're just talking about weight loss and weight management, if calories and protein are equated, then there's no difference between a low carb or a low fat diet. But that's just talking about weight. That's only one factor in overall, you know, metabolic health. And so obviously there's something to the fact that when I raise my carbohydrates to a high enough amount, my blood pressure goes up. Sure, I can maintain my weight. So, okay, there's something wrong. Let me adjust back down. I went back to eating NSNG Wow, within two weeks, my blood pressure normalized again. So there's something to be said, but it's not the gold standard for weight loss. So I just wanted to put that out there because I've never had a forum or a place to really explain that long form since I did that experiment. So thank you for letting me get that out there. Yeah, and I think that's a you know, prime example of um, – so many factors go into our overall health and then it's um there's so many you know uh as far as the health concerns go you can't just look at one uh, prime example a buddy of mine to look at him he's skinny you know one of your your skinny bastards you're talking about in in school right. <laughs> um skinny dude great exerciser uh, young guy, looks amazing, whatever, um, uh, ended up diabetic and, uh, had mm-hmm. to go on insulin and, um, he was blown away. He couldn't believe it. And we were all like, what? Um, but he, you know, he ate a lot of, um, mm. it, for him, he ate a lot of processed, you know, carbs and, and, um, it, uh, yeah, it, you just, it, there's so many factors that go into, um, mm-hmm. everything really for each person. So it's, uh, it's real, it's very cool that you did that little experiment. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And you know, I, when I started first, before even my podcast started, I started just writing Facebook posts on this Facebook page and then I had a blog and that was kind of about the low carb stuff and keto and things like that. And when I went to do the podcast, I realized like, And it was just like an anonymous thing, you know, it wasn't like my face or name or whatever attached to it. And I realized that I didn't want my identity to be wrapped up in, in anything, but especially not a diet, you know, like, because what if I find out that this isn't the perfect solution for everybody? Nobody likes to look like a fool, you know, so I'm like, what what am I really trying to get across here? And much like you said about your show, about this show here, it's about the story. It's about the journey. And life is about so much more than what you eat. So I kind of changed the game of, of what I was doing uh, as far as putting that message out there. And I started sharing different information and I came up with this inner fire thing. Uh, and it's just about so much more than than what you eat. And now, I just want to kind of tangent off of what you said. You said that this 
friend of yours ate a lot of processed food. Have you heard about these studies that um, about the soybean oil from the university uh, UCR? What is it? University of California Riverside. Have Have you heard about these? No. Pretty amazing stuff. Okay, so it's just two studies, but we got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. So in 2015 and 2017, there were two studies done at the University of California, Riverside, out of the lab of Professor, I think it's Professor Francis Sladek. I apologize if I got your name wrong, Professor, if I (laughs) mixed up the studies. But the point is, they did these studies on soybean oil and found that the soybean oil itself caused more obesity and diabetes and metabolic syndrome. This was a rat study. A lot okay. of people want to get down on rat studies, but at least it shows the soybean oil caused more obesity and diabetes than sugar. Huh. It was amazing. And then there was a study back in 2010 or 2011 from the University of Adelaide that found now this was correlated so correlation doesn't equal causation but they correlated consumption of soy at all like soy products in general with obesity now again these are just three studies and there needs to be more work done but it's really intriguing and i think people need to start looking at at the types of the macronutrients and fat carbs protein. Mm -hmm. These things are not catch-all categories. There's different types of carbohydrates. There's different types of proteins. There's different types of fats. And it seems to be that, like these studies that I just mentioned, it seems that the type of the macronutrient affects things maybe more than the macronutrient as a whole catch-all category. Yeah. And and like you said, it's... uh it's the beginning. Well, you need something. Yep. You need that base study to kind of get, you know, get it out there. And then people are like, oh, and then they start kind of um, researching this more. And it just, it's just, to me, that's great. It's kicking the, it's kicking things off a little bit there. That's, that's fantastic. I'll try to yeah, look that up. Yeah. And I mean, like, it didn't affect me much because I cut soy out of my diet a while ago. I figured yeah. out I was allergic to it. And <laughs> so I'm not going to eat it if it makes yeah. me sick. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, what's really interesting, too, is through this whole journey in my adult life, trying to beat this iteration of this obesity, um, through the low carb and experimenting with different versions of that protocol. Uh, that elimination style diet over a long period of time of taking things out, adding things back in, trying to figure it out, it gave me a real good picture. And I figured out, oh, I'm allergic to legumes. Mm. That's a big problem. So it's not just soy. It's all the beans, peas, peanuts, legumes. I found out it's any fruit that is encased in a pod. That's why peanuts aren't nuts. They're legumes because mm-hmm. they come in a pod. But um, knowing that, well, of course it seemed like gluten was a problem because soybean oil is in a lot of baked goods. So I cut out gluten, quote unquote, for 30 days. 
And then I try to add it back in, but I buy a prepackaged commercially made thing that has soybean oil. It makes me sick. So I think, oh, it must be the gluten, but it, it's not the gluten, it's yeah. something else, you know? So you got to really pay attention. And like Dr. Sean Baker said this best when I interviewed him, he said, if you're eating 200 different kinds of food, it's pretty difficult to figure out which one's making you sick. Right. You know, so that <laughs> that point. was that was his um, kind of reasoning for why people should try the carnivore diet and just eat red meat and drink water for 30 days. Because when you start adding things back in, he's not saying people should eat that way forever. But when right. you start adding things back in, it's like, oh interesting effect so yeah just to help there, yourself the, do a little detective work basically yeah the, the elimination protocols have, have really helped me so if you're folks if you're out there struggling and you just can't figure it out try eliminating things and then adding them back in because yeah. what's the worst you don't have something for a month and then you add it back in if it doesn't cause a problem you can have it for the rest of your life like you're only missing a few weeks here yeah and it's a simple it's a simple way to do it and it's a, a lot of uh, doctors employ this this kind of route of um you know like i had a, another guest who had to do that with her baby you know uh, while she mm -hmm. was breastfeeding yep. so um yeah it's a simple way to to figure some things out without having to go through a lot of expensive tests and whatnot um do you like uh jimmy do you have a um like an app or anything that you like to use to measure your uh your macronutrients or anything of that nature or do you um or do you use any of those nutritional apps at all I find the apps to be very cumbersome because when it seems simple, we just have it something on your phone, mm -hmm. but you always have to set those up. Like yeah. there's a lot of stuff you have to enter in and all that. It just seems so cumbersome to me and I, I don't want to be on my phone that much. So yeah. when I, when I do tracking, I found this really cool spreadsheet uh, by a woman named Holly Baxter and it's, it has everything you could possibly want to track and she's uh like a um what is she do? she's a bikini competitor she trains people so it's a little more advanced than i need just as a, a person who's not competing on a stage for physical fitness yeah but it has everything and it, it breaks everything down so i just use an excel spreadsheet essentially and um i mean anybody can kind of break that down and i i found this great website it's called nutritionix and it's nutritionix.com and that is the so at the point the time of this recording it is the largest nutritional database in the world that's online it's accessible to anybody with an internet connection and you can pretty much type in anything and figure it out so that's um i've I, I, yeah, it's great. I've even taken it to the point where when I make a dish, like if I make a soup or a stew or whatever, I'll make a little spreadsheet table and I'll enter in the individual macronutrient profile of every item that went into the larger dish. And then from there, you can then figure out how many portions it is divide it out and then you have a much more accurate way to track your food 
it's pretty cumbersome, but it's no more cumbersome than any app. So yeah, yeah, I know a lot of people are detoxing on the uh, on the uh, technology these days, which is um, I think can be <laughs> can be a smart thing. Um, I was just curious. I I really uh, two things. One, thank you so much for joining me today. I really I appreciate you. I know we're we're on opposite ends of the country. So I, I appreciate you taking time to um, sit down and talk with me. And I, and I have a question. Maybe when you do your videos, uh, you can throw in, or maybe more of a request for people like me who don't know any better, re throw in um, videos on like what flavors go really great together. Does that mm. make sense? You know, because yes. like you as, a, you as a, um, a chef, you know this stuff, but like, Oh man, I, I will get recipes. I'm like, does that really go together? And then I'll, I'll cook it together. I'm like, I don't really like that. I don't really like that. But then I'll cook it up. I'm like, oh God, that tastes really delicious. And I mm -hmm. wouldn't have even imagined that, you know, certain flavors would go together, but you guys know this stuff and it's second nature to you. That's a, that is a request for me from a, yeah. a, a non-cooking person. If you can throw that into your videos, that'd be amazing. I think that's a wonderful idea. I'm definitely going to do that because there are some spice combinations and things that, that I do want to share with people. I'm definitely going to do that. It's my pleasure to to be on your wonderful podcast. I have been enjoying it myself. Well, I definitely you. recommend it to people. Um, and folks, if you want to hear more from me, you can find me all across social media at <laughs> inner fire pod and you can find the central hub for all of my work at innerfirepodcast.com definitely check him out innerfirepodcast.com thank you thank you jimmy lee i appreciate you and uh we'll be talking soon outstanding <laughs>